0: Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit Nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Amen. As we as we go ahead and, and we celebrate, I have a I have this um message I want to share with you as we came off Good Friday. And Good Friday, we said that it is still Good Friday. It is a very Good Friday. And uh, today's message, as I was telling you guys on Friday, if you joined us, it's going to be titled, it's Rise Again. So if you have your notepad and and your pen and paper, go ahead and, and just write that down, Rise Again. And this year, God just did something different as I was preparing the messages for Good Friday. I didn't necessarily get into the Good Friday story uh, or the text of it. And and, and even for today, for Resurrection Sunday, I'm not necessarily getting into the text of what is the resurrection and and the study of the resurrection. But yet everything that we're going to speak on today deals with resurrection. And and I want to make sure that We understand that this resurrection that we stop today and we celebrate, we know this very well, that it's not just about a day. Uh, Resurrection to the believer, and I'm going to say this often, uh, many times today, it's alive and it's part of our everyday lives. Um, It's not just one thing that we do once a year, but resurrection lives in us daily, each day of our lives. Amen? Amen. Today's message is titled, Rise Again. And and think about this moment. Think about today. Uh, Today would be a day where where churches would be full. That's what today would be. There would be all kinds of activities in churches today. Picture opportunities would be given today in different stations for friends and from families to unite and take pictures. There would be egg hunts today. Throughout churches, so much preparation and expectance as many churches would plan and prepare for the highest attendance service of the year. But instead, what we see is church buildings are closed. We can't huddle together to take a picture, we can't have kids from different homes running around and rubbing off each other, racing to see who gets the most eggs. We can't greet our guests. We can't greet our guests with a hug and give them a gift for joining us on this day because we care for them. Can't do any of those things. But what we are seeing is this that yes, the building and the activities are closed, but the church has remained open. Her voice is becoming more resounding than ever. The church, she's becoming resilient. Truly becoming the light in the darkness, the salt of the earth, a pillar to many, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. A lampstand that gives light to the whole house. And that's what we've always been called to be. That's who we are and that's who many are beginning to become. All for the purpose that the world would see our good works and begin to glorify God our Father. You know, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Let your light shine, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and that they would glorify your Father in heaven. Here is our grand purpose. And this is during this that God is doing, we've been saying this for weeks bringing us home, that he's doing this within the church. And I want to strengthen it and I want to encourage and I also want to congratulate all of us in Christ's love that man, job well done, job well done. But, but it doesn't end here, let's intensify it now. Because the last thing that we are is defeated. The last thing that we are is broken or hopeless and left for dead. We are the church. We are the apple all of our beloved's eye. We are his bride. And though we may be down for a moment, we will be made or no, not we will we be what we are made in his likeness and in his image of the beloved. And we are called to rise again. That's what we are. We are, we, are, we are. we are the apple of his eye. Our names are written in the palm of his hands. And we're called to rise again. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 teaches. Romans 8, 11 teaches and shows us this. Living in each and every single believer and every follower of Jesus Christ is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It lives in us, in you, in me, in all of us. And the same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead that lives in us, it will not disappoint. It does not disappoint. Holy Spirit gives life to us. And the day that I die, I know that He will raise this mortal body into immortality. Immortality. And that's the truth that all of us have. That's what we hold on to. That is the promises of God. And Romans 8, 11 says it. And it says it like this. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Amen. Resurrection lives in every believer. We're not meant to die. We're not created to lose. We're not to live hopeless or faithless. We have learned and we believe in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians 4.8 says, We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Verse 10, always caring about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. That's Good Friday. And then it says that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. That's Resurrection Sunday. (laughs) For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, but the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal bodies. Man. So then death is working in us, but life in you. That the life of Christ would be manifested in our mortal bodies. He's resurrecting us daily. He's causing us to rise up because of his death, burial, and resurrection. Now we celebrate and we live in those truths too. We too experience death, burial, and it does not end there. We also get to experience from that end resurrection for the rest of our days. Resurrection power. So if any of us are, as Paul writes in this passage hard-pressed, if any of us are perplexed, persecuted, struck down, I encourage you today to rise again. Rise again. Because resurrection lives in every single one of you. Every single one of you. And you don't have to wait for your physical death to fully experience it you can begin to experience resurrection right now as you're alive. Today is significant because it's a day where all over the earth, many are sharing the same story, the story of resurrection. And I believe the Lord has used this pandemic, this pandemic for his advantage. We say it all the time where he's not concerned or confused or worried about it. But he's using this for his advantage. And you could sit back and say, why would you make that statement? And how can you make that comment? Well, I could, I could give you so many examples, but one because it's so fitting for this day. When I say that the Lord has used this pandemic for his advantage, did the Lord not use Judas for his advantage? So in the same way that Judas was used for his advantage. And there's so many examples that we see that what the enemy meant for evil and to do harm, God turned it around to do good. To perform his purposes that his will would be accomplished on the earth. And all across, all across this earth, the message and the story of resurrection is being heard. The message of Passover, of his death, burial, and resurrection is being heard now more than ever. And why do I say that? Before I say this, you know, it's funny because you're like, well, when is the Lord going to return? And, when? and I don't want to turn this into a message of, of eschatology and the end times and all that, though it's obvious we're in those moments. But, you know, it says that his gospel, the word of God has to spread to all the land. And it's so amazing that through a pandemic like this and through something called technology, how the word of God is spreading and giving hope and a chance to everyone all throughout the land. I feel deep in my spirit where the Lord really wants his name to be known because there's a great day of the Lord that is coming. Amen. See, so I say what I was saying before, you know, as the message Of Passover and death, burial, resurrection—this season that we're in of Holy Week—as it's being preached all over the earth, I believe that it's being heard now more than ever. And why? Well, think about this: people don't have to worry about feeling out of place today visiting a church. If which church do I go to? I've been invited to so many churches. How many, there's going to, that church is going to be full. What time should I get there? Will there be parking? Maybe people start to worry about how that experience at church is going to be like. Some people feel like I don't want to wake up too early. Some people feel like, well, which service time do I go to? They have multiple time slots. Some people feel like I don't want to know if I should go to church. There's so much to do with my family. I don't want to just waste the day. More than ever now, all these things are changing because now more than ever, people are tuning in. Why? Because everyone is just home. And all they need to do is turn on their TVs and watch as so many messages are being streamed into the comfort of their very own living rooms. To the comfort of their very own living rooms, into the depths of their heart, the depths of their soul. And He is speaking to the hearts in each living room in these days. And He's telling them, rise again. I am aware. And I love you. The message is spreading. And I believe that God is not just calling us to live in the truth of resurrection, but he's also calling out to the land and all of its inhabitants to rise again, to repent, to come to the knowledge, power, and salvation of Jesus Christ and rise. I believe that. My favorite book in in the Bible, pretty much in Proverbs, in chapter 24, verse 16, it says this, it says, for though the righteous fall seven times, for though the righteous fall seven times, it says they rise again, they rise again and said, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. So we may have fallen or maybe you're watching and you may have fallen but the scripture says that if you are the righteous it says the righteous rise again. And you should write that in your notes if you feel like you're in your fallen state, if you feel like you're down, you feel like you're in a gloomy uh, gloomy place, you you feel like man I I've, I'm I'm losing hope, I'm losing faith, I'm losing strength. Well, the righteous fall 7 times but they rise again. And you should write that down and you should put that as a reminder that, wait a minute, if the spirit of Christ that, 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 that resurrected him, that caused him to rise up lives in me, I will rise again from this. From whatever it is that, that is concerning you and overwhelming you and clouding you, you will rise again. The righteous have resurrection living inside of them. Resurrection lives in the believer, in the righteous. For though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again, but the wicked stumble when calamity strikes. Calamity has struck our current world. Just as Proverbs says, calamity has struck it, and the wicked will be seen to stumble in these days. The wicked will be seen to stumble in these times, but the righteous are called to rise again the righteous when the when the wicked will be seen to stumble what is proverbs telling us the righteous will be seen to rise again and that's a promise And that's a hope for us. That that when we don't have answers and and though things are happening and though calamity may be striking the land, the wicked will be exposed, but so will the righteous. And they will be risen up to take their form of authority that God's given them as we closed off our worship service. Man, uh, that we would get up and that we would rise and, and be this, what God's calling us, the people of God. Your life... We have to remember this, our lives, your life is a testimony of either death or life. You have breath, you have a heartbeat, you're alive today. But your testimony, the words that come out of your mouth, your actions, your lifestyle, it is a testimony of either death or life, death or resurrection. And what a time that we're living in today. I believe we're living in a in a in a in a in a great time obviously in history and in our the history of our generation we're living in this moment to truly display the resurrection power of Jesus we're living in a moment where we could truly show people what resurrection power what rise again really looks like and and I don't want any of us to take this for granted in scripture, there are so many examples of individuals that went through it and, and have gone through very difficult moments, uh, extremely difficult moments where many of them had to even questioned question God. Many of them where their conversations with God got, got real really quick, where it wasn't anymore about a religion. Or it wasn't about what their father's father's, what has been passed down from generation to generation. I think about Job, for example. He's not an example that I was going to mention, but I just thought of him. And I think about Job, a blameless man in all the land. A man that, through the words of God himself, honors Job here on earth. From his throne says, here is Job. And he was a righteous man. A man who the Lord looked on and was pleased with him. But yet Job was struck with calamity. The Bible promises that. We said that, I believe, like two weeks ago, where we said that the, that the sun or the rain, right, falls on the just and on the unjust. And it fell on Job. And Job loses all his goods. Job's bank account gets hit. Job's wife begins to strike him and accuse him. Job's friend begin to condemn him. Job's children all die, and life gets really real for Job. And I've been saying this for this past week. When you are in the midst of trial, those are the moments which really reveal who you are and who you're rooted in. And that was a very eye-opening moment for Job in his life. But the beauty of Job's life is that though those days were horrible for him. And I can't even imagine. I believe he lived uh, in that pain. I've said that for the, for the rest of his life. How do you move on from losing all those children? But it didn't end there. The end of the story was that he was able to rise again. And God gave him a greater portion than what he had. He, more children were given to him more money was given to him he was given more of the land than he could ever that he ever even had before he even entered the trial because he stood his he stood his ground he was rooted in the midst of the trial and in scripture we see many examples of individuals that are moved from their normal life to now a different kind of lifestyle and a different kind of what we've been saying lately in our new vocabulary A new norm. And today, you're home, you're watching me through a screen, and I'm watching you because I have so many of your faces, and I'm watching you through this camera, but your faces are in my mind. Crazy, but it's the new norm. And many individuals in scriptures went through things like this. A word that we've never, a phrase that we're becoming accustomed to hearing, that we've never heard is the word social distancing. I mean, the doctor just said that now we should probably refrain from shaking hands once this thing is over. To try to stop us from our intimate and love towards one another. And, but we could discuss that on another day. But the crazy thing here is social distancing is not something that's new. Social distancing is something that's happened before. Let's look at some examples like Job. Whether it's Noah. Noah. Noah had to enter a boat. He had to build the boat, had faith to then enter it. And then we know that he remained there for over, about, over a year or so with his family in order to save them from the rains and destruction that was going to fall on the earth. Noah had to socially distance himself from the evil of this world and get into the boat as God commanded him. Noah is a perfect example of this is the new norm now. Dad, we're living in a this is the norm dad my my neighbor is an elephant (laughs) i don't know it's the new norm now and that's that was that was the norm and he had to socially distance himself whether it was jonah jonah is a great story for resurrection sunday because it shows us death burial and resurrection as he went into the belly of the fish and then he spit them out and then came redemption because of Noah. But think about Noah, um, Jonah. Jonah had to be swallowed and abide in the belly of a fish for three days to save himself from his own disobedience. To save himself, whether it was the Israelites. The Israelites had to exit Egypt. And now they had to remain in the belly of the wilderness. That was their new norm. Their new norm was to open up the tents and then on the floor was manna from heaven. (laughs) Their new norm, it was different now. It was different. And now they had to be there for about 40 years to free them from their bondage. And we could go story after story of many individuals that had to distance themselves from the things that were normal to them. They had to isolate themselves from those things for a moment. That God was going to do something in every single one of them, whether it was Jonah or Noah, the Israelites, and we can't forget about Jesus. Whether it's Jesus, think about Jesus here for a moment. Jesus was not just boom on Earth one day. No, no. Jesus, as we've le- as we've learned and we and we learn in John chapter one, always is and was and will be. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus was always there from the beginning. He was there as John chapter 1 tells us. So Jesus, think about him for a moment. He leaves heaven's glory to come to this fallen world for some 33 years to then go back to his kingdom. He had to leave the norm. Can you imagine being Jesus? He comes to earth and, and we know that in the mornings he would go and pray to the Father. And he's like, Father, Abba, I'm not liking this new norm. Just just imagine Jesus, he too went through this. At a good age of around 30, he had to go and spend 40 days in the desert, his very own wilderness, before he was going to be called to do what he had to do. But Jesus had to socially distance himself. He had to leave his mother, and he had to leave his family. He had to leave his city. And for 40 days, he had to go into the wilderness, to the desert, Be tempted, tested, and win and survive all these things to start something. And then we observe Jesus today. We observe today, Resurrection Sunday. Well, why do we celebrate Resurrection Sunday? Well, Jesus resurrected because he had to be held shut in a tomb, closed up in a tomb for three days, giving his enemies the thought of victory. Jesus understands and he feels and he gets what this distancing does and and what what, what happens because of it. But I also think that as we see this character after character, person after person in the word of God, I truly believe God is doing something with all of this. Because, you know, as we speak about some of these people, the last group of individuals that I want to mention right now is us. We could speak about Noah and Jonah and Job and the Israelites. We could speak about Jesus, obviously, and then we could look at each other now and let's talk about us now. How about us as we're being held in to save us from the sickness of this land and we're being held in? What about us? See, what, what I do see is That in each of these episodes, there is great purpose. The Lord is going to use it, every single one, for his glory. Let's just revisit. We already said what happened with Job, but Noah. Noah and his offsprings would come out. They would rise again. Let's use that phrase. Noah and his children would rise again and they would repopulate the earth. Jonah would be spit out. He would rise again and he would go preach to a dangerous people in Nineveh and they would come to know and follow God. The Israelites would eventually rise again and they would enter into the promised land becoming a blessing to the world. Jesus coming to earth What does he do? He's redeeming humanity. There's always a purpose. Jesus at the wilderness as he had to be shut in the wilderness for 40 days. But when he rises out of that, what is it? To usher in his earthly ministry. Jesus as he's being held in a tomb. When he rises again from that and he rises up, what happens there? He now puts a stamp on his lordship and authority as the Messiah. And the question that I ask today as we speak about rise again is this. How about you? How about me? What about us? When we exit this, will we rise again with such faith, with vision, with unity, ready to prepare the path of the Lord? Will we rise again? We're being held, and it's for a purpose to rise again and to fulfill the purposes of God in this land. As you breathe and you focus on your breath, because you've probably woke up this morning, not one time did you say, whoa, I'm breathing. It's so automatic to you. But think about this. As you breathe, and right now, because I mentioned it, You focus on your breath. And you notice that the one who gives you breath continues to give you another breath. And there's a reason. Because with each breath that he gives you, it's because there are still purposes that are laid out before you for his kingdom. Will we rise again to accomplish those purposes? Amen? Each one of us, each one of you, was, is called to rise again. We are called to rise again. If you have your Bibles open, uh, I'm going to actually close up with this passage. It's Isaiah chapter 61. And I want to close up with this passage because it's deeper than just Israel and it's deeper than just captivity in Babylon and so on and so forth. When you read Isaiah chapter 61... More than anything else, Isaiah 61 speaks more as a messianic prophecy and of what Christ would usher into this earth. I want to read some verses here and then I'm going to read a a piece of commentary in which Matthew Henry gives as he introduces Isaiah chapter 61. Let's go ahead and read with me. Let's start off in verse 1. This is Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. And as I just said, more than anything else, this passage is about Messianic prophecy and about what Christ is ushering in. It says here, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Same words that Jesus says in the synagogue when it's his turn to speak to the crowd, speaking of the fulfillment of Isaiah 61. I am here. Isaiah 61 is present before your very eyes. And everyone is marveling at him on that day that he is reading that passage at the synagogue. And I believe that this passage is so relevant and God is speaking it so clearly to us on this day. For us on this day. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me. Come on. Rise again. He has anointed me. To bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted. To proclaim that the captives will be released. Prisoners be set free. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his great glory. Verse 4, and they will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. And then I'm going to skip and read verse 10 and 11. And it says this, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord, my God. For he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation, draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom. You see what this means today? Dressed for his wedding. Or a bride with her jewels. The sovereign Lord will show his justice to the nations of this world. Come on, man. I, I believe that this is a word for our land today. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. Rise again. The beginning part of this Passage says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and we just spent a a, a whole morning here saying that the same Spirit that is in Christ lives in us. The same Spirit that resurrected Jesus now lives in me, causes me to rise again. And if that same Spirit... On that day that Jesus opens up the scroll and reads Isaiah 61 in the synagogue and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It is the same Spirit that I stand before you and I open up the Word of God. And before everyone hearing me today, I say, the, ser- the same Spirit that was on the Lord is also upon me. And you may say, For what? For what? To bring good news. To comfort the brokenhearted. To proclaim to the captives freedom. The prisoners to be set free. To tell everyone who mourns that the time of God's favor has arrived. And the day of God's anger against our enemies is here. And he's going he's to he's bless those with crowns of beauty. Those who mourn for ashes. He's going to transfer and he's going to substitute that. A joyous blessing instead of constant mourning. A praise instead of despair. It's our day. It's our moment. It's the church calling to rise again. And then he says, I'm overwhelmed with joy. The joy in the Lord my God because he is dressing me with clothes of salvation. He has draped me in a robe of righteousness and I am like a bridegroom being dressed for his wedding or I am like the bride with her jewels. The Lord, sovereign Lord because that's what he is during all of this, throughout all of this, the sovereign Lord will show justice to the nations of the world. How prophetic is this word. For the days that we're living. Everyone will praise him. His righteousness will be like a garden in the early spring. Plants that will spring up everywhere. I enjoyed reading Matthew Henry's commentary. Introduction to the commentary on Isaiah 61. And I just want to read it. Matthew's. Henry says this, this is foretelling of the deliverance of the Jews out of Babylon. But look what he says. We think we find the glories of the church of Christ, its spiritual glories, described under the type and figure of the Jews' prosperity after the return out of their captivity. And we see that, it says in verse 4 here, it is promised that the decays of the church shall be repaired. Verse 5 that those from without shall be made serviceable to the church verse 6 that the church that the church shall be a royal priesthood maintained by the riches of the gentiles verse 7 that she shall have honor and joy in lieu of all her shame and sorrow verse 8 that her affairs shall prosper verse 9 he says that the prosperity shall enjoy that, that prosperity shall enjoy these blessings. And verse 10 and 11, that righteousness and salvation shall be the eternal matter of the church's rejoicing and thanksgiving. If the Jewish church was ever thus blessed, much more shall the Christian church be so and all that belong to it. So in the midst of What we are in, we have to understand Isaiah 61 and its meaning for us today. That we are blessed. We are blessed in this moment that we are in. We are being prepared in this moment that we are in. And the spirit of the Lord is upon us. I look at every single one of you as we close off and I say, rise again. Rise again. Again, you are in a moment, but as we continue to say when the doors open, what will be told, what will be said, what will be heard of your name? Come on, rise again, now more than ever. Now is the time more than ever ever rise again. Resurrection Sunday was not just about what happened 2,000 years ago. Resurrection Sunday is about what is currently happening within every single one of us right now, here, today. We still have the ability to rise again. But I'm falling, good. The righteous fall seven times, but they rise again rise again come on rise again rise again maybe if you're sitting right there in your living room stand up and maybe just lift up your hands and begin to lift up your voices or hold hands with the person next to you and i want you right there where you're at to give this to the lord And say, Lord, you're calling us to rise again. You're calling this family to rise again. You're calling my children to rise again. You're calling this marriage to rise again. You're calling, Lord God, us in this community to rise again, Lord. You're calling my ministry to rise again, Lord. You're calling my faith to rise again. You're calling my joy to rise again. You're calling my hope to rise again. Whatever it is that's deep inside of you to cry out. Cry it out. It's the time is now to rise again spend that moment right there declaring that and giving it to the lord you're in a moment but when you rise again what's gonna happen what's gonna happen but it's in these moments where he's preparing us so that when that fish spits us out so when that tomb is rolled away so when that sorrow does leave you or when that depression is lifted or that anxiety is lifted from you You rise again, and you become the bride, the church of God, the healing to this land and of this land. Rise again. Come on, begin to declare that right there where you're at. Rise again. Lord, you're calling us to rise. Let's worship the Lord, and then we'll close off in prayer. Come on, let's worship Him right there in your living room. Stand up. Praise Him. Make a sound of glory. Don't hold back.